Welcome to Gaza Up Close, a podcast by Gisha about what happens when two million people are denied the basic right to freedom of movement. I'm Leetal Firestone. As we heard from Mohammed Tilbani in the last episode, he dreams of expanding his company and seeing Gaza get on a path to growth and prosperity. Today, at 67 years old, and despite the obstacles he faces, Tilbani strives towards innovation, working creatively to produce new products, use advanced manufacturing techniques, and develop additional markets. He is ready to pass on his work to future generations of candy makers, but can they realize his vision? Bit by bit, I'm handing the work to my children, but traveling for them is difficult. I have a son that I'm wishing he'd receive a permit. He used to get one, and now it stopped. Tilbani's son is blocked from traveling out of Gaza by Israel on the claim of undisclosed security considerations, a barrier to travel that has become more and more common for many in Gaza. To travel from Gaza into Israel or the West Bank, a person has to first receive security clearance and also meet a narrow and shifting set of criteria for receiving a permit from the Israeli military authorities. You can be blocked for security considerations in a wide variety of circumstances that include everything from actual participation in hostilities to just having had a relative killed or your home damaged. You don't get information on why you're blocked and thus have no means of knowing whether there are grounds to the charges let alone defending yourself against them. I'm afraid that one day they'll stop my permit and not let me in. What can I do then? A few months after he told us this, Tilbani was in fact blocked from exiting Gaza for business. In many cases where Gisha has challenged the security block imposed on a Gaza resident, either through media work or legal intervention, the Israeli authorities have reversed their decision and granted a travel permit in what seems to be an attempt to either avoid negative media attention or going to court. This calls into question the arbitrary decision-making process for assigning a security block in the first place. Adding to Tilbani's long list of obstacles, the security block places his company and his employees in jeopardy. Many people say to me that if they were in my place, they would deposit their money in a bank abroad and leave all this mess. After all the shocks that we have gone through, now we are used to everything. We became so cool and we have so much patience to face any problem. And we don't stand there and do nothing, but we sit down and think how to solve the problem. What are the alternatives? What can we do? So difficulties don't mean much to us anymore, while for others, it might be the end. Oh, it's huge. When we visited Tilbani in the West Bank, he walked us around his huge new factory with an ever-present beeping sound that seemed to be an impatient reminder that work needed to get done. He pointed out how the conveyor belts take each ingredient from egg to jam 
and transform them into thousands of sweets, which then go all the way back around the factory on another belt to be wrapped and shipped. 120 meters of conveyor belt, in fact. When I asked him how many people work at this factory, he said 60, but that the factory in Gaza still employs almost 400 people. Despite the losses Tilbani faced from the fire and a shrinking market in Gaza, he did everything in his power to support this workforce, who depend on the operation of his factory for their livelihoods. He made it clear that it is a social responsibility, as any big family would take care of each other. I will never fire them. They started with us from the beginning. We live together, and we are used to each other. I will help them as long as I live, because they help me. You see what I mean? So it's social solidarity. We work 15 days every month. Each of them works for 5 or 10 days every month. Instead of sending the 400 workers home, they can stay, but they share the days and the shifts. For example, one works during the day and the other at night. One works this week and another works the next week. So we split the jobs simply because there's no other alternative. Where will they go? Unemployment rates have risen drastically in Gaza over the last decade. Today, the rate of unemployment is 52%, and among young people, it's nearly 70%. One thing that could help is if people could travel into Israel, where there are more job opportunities. If these same employees were just given access to jobs outside Gaza, they would not have to depend on these systems of shared work to survive. I asked Gisha's public advocacy coordinator, Noah Galili, to explain the political context behind the policies that limit freedom of movement in Gaza. While many in Israel talk about the importance of enabling economic development in Gaza, including for Israel's own security interests, in practice, Israel imposes arbitrary and sweeping restrictions on movement that hinder the economic growth in the Strip without any clear reason. Laborers have been officially blocked for exit for Gaza since early 2006, and travel for professional reasons, like to reach meetings or trainings, is severely restricted both to Israel and the West Bank. There are legitimate security needs to screen people and goods traveling to and from Gaza, but political goals are the dominant and illegitimate factors behind what's happening. Israel wants to put pressure on the population and the local Hamas authorities by squeezing the economy and also isolate Gaza from the West Bank. This is what it refers to as a separation policy. The Gaza Strip and the West Bank are considered one part of Palestine, and they cannot be separated. We complete one another. There are things today that are in the West Bank, but we cannot find them in Gaza. There are things in Gaza that you can't find in the West Bank. So they are symbiotic and they complete one another. Gaza's economy has faced substantial economic losses because of the closure and the separation policy that explicitly denies Gaza residents access to their natural markets in the West Bank. Unfortunately, it has an even deeper stifling effect. The longer it lasts, the more it undermines Gaza's future prospects for economic recovery, growth, and development. 
From Tilbani's sequestered sweets factory to a community deplete of resources, Gaza residents have reached a critical suffering point. Israel must do everything in its power to ensure normal life in the Palestinian territory. And to enable its residents to live in dignity, Israel must immediately lift its severe access restrictions. Rather than restricting movement between Gaza and the West Bank to the minimum necessary, it must allow the maximum movement possible, subject only to restrictions that are necessary for security. To learn more about the work Gisha does to advocate for freedom of movement in Gaza, visit www.gisha.org. Thanks for listening to Gaza Up Close.